Praise the Lord. Dr. Hanson, let's do a sound check. How are you, Shannon? Hey, I'm doing great. Everybody, welcome aboard. We're excited to be here for another edition of the Warning Program with Dr. Jonathan Hanson. This is going to be a live broadcast here on Friday, August 26, 2022. And as you're joining us tonight, hope you'll invite a friend and have them also go over and check out worldministries.org on the web. Dr. Hanson, always an honor to be here with you. And uh, the mic is yours. Would you like to open us up in prayer and then take it away? Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this time we have once again. Each week where we have freedom, dear God, we praise your name. Another opportunity to represent you as your ambassadors on earth. Amen. People have to realize, Lord, that they can pray all they want. You're not going to come and save any nation. When you ascended, you gave that responsibility to the ecclesia, to the body. You aren't going to come and remove evil men until the battle of Armageddon. If we're going to see miracles today, if we're going to stop tyranny, if we're going to have peace and prosperity in any nation, it's going to be up to the ecclesia, the body of Christ, the ambassadors. You said, go tarry until you're endued with my power so that you can continue to do my works that I accomplished on earth. You will continue to do them. You will do them. Because I am inside of you, with you, operating through you. If people see Jesus on earth, it's through you and me, the body. Father God, stop the heresy that's all through the nations, all through the churches. Heresy. Teaching blasphemy. Let us understand the truth. Let us preach the truth. Let us teach the truth. Because only that will set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to welcome all of you that are listening right now. MegamanRadio.com. Welcome. Also those that are listening on the warning radio program, shortwave program, television, social media. Welcome. I'm going to be letting you hear two different types of messages. One with Apostle Don Beasley, where we discuss the deconstruction movement and the emergent church. Also, drag queens in churches. Yeah, you heard it right. Flat out heresy. Some churches are inviting drag queens into the church to teach. Even saying this seems so dirty, filthy, evil. But that's what the church has become. Where Jesus overturned the money changers, the tables. I'm thinking he needs to go into a lot of these mainline churches and overturn the pulpits. Pull out the pastors. Remove their clerical garments. Put Ichabod over the church. The second message I taught here at World Ministries International in our service that we hold every week. In fact, tonight is a live audience, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night. I'm talking on 
aligning head and body. So you're going to be listening to the responsibilities of the church. Why is the church messed up? They don't seem to understand their responsibility. They're just praying for Jesus to come and save them. He's not saving you. You can pray until you die or go to a concentration camp. He is not saving you. It's not scriptural. Pray for yourself that you can do the will of God. Pray for yourself that you go tarry, be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, go out and drive out the Philistines. Cut off the head of Goliath. See mighty signs and wonders and miracles. Let Jesus once again walk on earth. He's only going to do that if you do it. That's it. You're his body, his arms, his legs, his eyes. Unfortunately, most of us don't have his heart. We're not willing to make the sacrifices to move with power and authority. We'd rather play games, like we're going to live forever. Stay home from church and take care of cats and dogs. Man, I tell you what, I'd rather shoot your cat and dog than babysit it. Do you understand we're losing America? Do you understand? Or do you care? Let's begin with Apostle Don Beasley. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, and I want to welcome all of you to the Warning Radio Program. Also, those that are watching on social media, welcome. I have with me Apostle Don Beasley, Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. Uh, Don, welcome back. Good morning. How are you doing, Dr. Hanson? <laughs> I'm okay, Don. It's uh, every day is quite a day that we're living today. I, every day, uh, it seems like we're in prophetic news reporting. Uh, things right out of prophecy are coming to pass each and every day. We've been talking about uh, uh, Christian mythology. You've been doing a series in your church. We've done uh, following that on our program here. And I remember the last program, um, we mentioned how uh, the moral decline of America is lacking so much that uh, the voice of truth is no longer in many, many pulpits. That we used to see uh, miracles, healings, and uh, radical transformations of converts uh, in churches today, but now it seems like uh, they want the favor of men over the power of God. Uh, the Old Testament is the foundation of, of uh, what we have to understand if you want to understand God and his ways. And yet uh, the emergent church and so many churches discount the Old Testament. But it's, it's like taking algebra. I mean, when you go into an algebra class, the basic understanding is that you, you've already taken basic mathematics. They don't have to reteach you, retrain you, go over those. But instead, um, the New Testament, it now there was never such a thing as a New Testament. It was all one book, but a man divided it. But the information in the New Testament was already based on the understanding that we understood the Old Testament and the ways of God, the laws of God. Yet people want to throw out that portion of the Bible Don, you can't understand God if you throw out the Old Testament. 
Yeah, I've always found that kind of an, an amazing uh, anomaly that people attempt to do that, and they downgrade the Old Testament. And I believe about two-thirds of the, of the New Testament is direct quotations from the Old Testament. It's yes. interpretation of the Old Testament and clarification of the prophetic utterances of the Old Testament. So if you really do away with the Old Testament, and, and it's really why theology is so weak, you only have about one-third of the New Testament. You have to wash out all the Old Testament from the New Testament. You can't keep some of it and then not pay attention to the Old Testament. So, I mean, just like to give you for an example, everybody today wants deliverance of some kind, but they don't, they also, they pray for their, all their trouble to go away. And so when you look at the greatest stories of deliverance in the Bible, you'll find that the common denominator of every deliverance throughout the entire Bible was a whole heap of trouble. Yes. Uh, You know, they, they were up against the wall. There was no other way out save that God would deliver them. And I mean, I don't care. You, you can go back and you look all the way through from even the Garden of Eden when they, you know, God killed animals and gave them animal, animal skins and put them out of the garden. But in every aspect, God had as a delivering power, a hand over them. And in the New Testament, in the final book of the New Testament, when it's talking about the Antichrist system or whatever, it says God will sweep us away and deliver us into a place of safety. Now, most people are wanting to say that's the rapture. But I don't think that's the rapture at all. I think it's something completely different because it's, it's you know, it's it's just a, I think that a lot of our interpretations or whatever are wrong because I think it was in 19, in 1890-something was the first time that the concept of a rapture was ever taught theologically. And it was roundly rejected by the entire church. And then less than 100 years, it becomes the mainstay doctrine of all evangelical churches is escapism mentality. But the you go back to the Bible, and that's another reason why Old Testament theology and whatever is very important, because they believed in a pre- or post-tribulation rapture or deliverance of the church. They never had anything about, you know, they I mean, millennium, pre- or post-millennium uh, view of the whole concept of deliverance, the final deliverance. And so now, you know, Christians live in this, we live in this world where we want our comfort so bad that we believe that God is completely committed to our happiness and our comfort. Well, you're right. And um, I'll tell you, it, it's, it's so heretical. Uh, we're, I'm going to get into a couple articles in a short time, but uh, we mentioned last week, too, that Dan Kimball is marked uh, for her heretical emergent church teaching stating that the Bible needs to be reinterpreted. We've made a comment, you know, we don't like to mark, but we're in a situation today where uh, people like Pastor Dan Kimball, I mean, they're they're leading the church down such a primrose to destruction. Paul had to start to mark people because it was destroying their soul. Uh, if you follow heresy, it destroys your soul. Uh, once you get away from the basic element of salvation. And so we're in a situation today where when I read you some of these articles, you're going to, maybe you've already uh, saw them, but it it is such a uh, sad indictment of where the church is today. I mean, uh, the emergent doctrine 
denies the creator and gives no purpose and meaning to life. Uh, when you remove the goodness and the power of God, you replace it with something you create in your own mind, doubting God's character. And so emergent heresy removes God's valuation of time, its purpose and consequence. Now, much of the church hasn't been taught any longer about the sovereignty of God. And because mainline churches are under the Marxist covering of the Federal Council of Churches, there's no display of power of God, and they hold and promote sin. We see heresy being taught, and uh, we must start to mark these people. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. Mainline churches. Uh, people have come to me so many times over the years and say, what is wrong with my church, with my pastor? They don't understand. They're attending a mainline church where their pastor is promoting this communist theology. And they back sin. They, they ordain homosexuals as priests. Things like this. Listen to this, Don. New York Post by Patrick Riley. August 3, 2022. Students at Ritzy New York City High School forced to attend drag show in church. Report. Students at a Ritzy Manhattan private school were reportedly forced to attend a drag show at a church as part of its LGBTQ plus pride celebrations earlier this year, according to a report. Grace Church High School, a progressive independent Episcopal school, in the East Village that charges over 59000 for yearly tuition, invited renowned New York City drag queen Britta Filter to its sixth annual, quote, Pride Chapel, unquote, event for a live performance on April 27. The event was sponsored by the school and organized with the help of students and faculty, advisors, and Spectrum, the high school's LGBTQ plus support club says, Britta, whose real name is Jesse Havia, performed a rendition of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. The artist then sat down with the school's queer director of vocal music, Andrew Leonard, to answer students' questions about drag performances, queerness, and the importance of pride, according to the school. <laughs> it goes on to say, um, uh, a video posted on TikTok shows Filter entering the, the back of the church in full drag, dancing up the aisle in a short-cut orange and blue dress, marching go-go boots with students clapped and cheered on from the pews. Um, good night, Don. Uh, can, can, and here's another report on the CBNnews.com. says, new video shows drag queen performing at New York City church-affiliated high school chapel. It says, uh, the drag performer, a person who pretends to be a woman dressed in a gaudy clothing, revealed part of his buttocks to students while wearing a skimpy mini skirt. <laughs> Don, what do you think of this? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to comprehend, but I think that, you know, that, that's this whole thing that I've been teaching in this whole mythology series is really what it is. In the seventh message, the ending message is that the overall, at the end, that's where they start that science is factual and Christianity is blind faith. And so they, they're always throwing up. That's their number one thing they always throw up is Christianity is blind faith and science is factual. And they say all this, they have scientific backing for all this stuff, you know, and, and they don't. 
I mean, today to, to buy into the scientific narrative, you have, you have to defy disbelief to believe the nonsense they're telling you. But I think what what we don't understand is how what's really happening here. Like number one, when you look at these mainline denominations, when I was going to college and I was working on my master's degree in psychology, I I asked the question. How did all these mainline denominational churches, so you have Moody, Wesley, and just a litany of other people that are holy, godly men that had incredible impact on our culture. And, you know, you look at the Methodist church. I mean, there was one of the Methodist pastors. If you go up to the Wheaton College up there, they have the evangelist um, museum up there for all evangelist for all denominations and one of the i forgot what his name was but one of the right the what the writers uh, uh for the wesleyan church or for the what we, we know now as the methodist church he was going out and his idea was to plant one church every day think about that one new church every day heading out through the west wow and then he he got he was uh got real sick and attacked by the enemy or whatever and then he announced to the devil if you want to, if you want to fight, I'm game for it. I was going to plant one church today. Now I'm going to plant two, and that's why you, because of that, you have you have a Methodist church in every little ville in the country. I mean, everywhere out here, every, you can't drive through a town without a Methodist church. They're everywhere. Yeah. Same thing with a Lutheran church. And so my question was: Is how did these churches become so liberal? So the professor says, "Well, why don't you go try to figure it out?" So I went and I started looking, and, and I didn't I didn't even know how to begin. I never really done any kind of research like that, and I kind of stumbled upon it by accident because I, I I said I just finally said, well, their pastors are coming out of their educational institutions. So I went to look at their educational institutions, and I discovered something alarming. In the during the Vietnam War, then all all the draft dodgers and the government haters and whatever were. Uh, going and getting deferments to go to school. Well, all the deferments during that time were completely gone, but there were tons of deferments for these edu- these mainline denominational churches and their, their colleges and institutions. And so what happened is these draft dodgers and whatever got deferments to go to these colleges, and then they went to college and got a bachelor's degree, and then they got a master's degree, and then they got a doctorate degree, and then they became the professors. And so what happened is there was an overturning of the professors in these mainline denominational churches, and that's how they got into all this Marxism and whatever, because they, they allowed these people to come into their schools that weren't Christians, that weren't even born again, and then they go from there to becoming you know teachers and professors, and they're loaded with those people. And that, that's kind of a mark across a lot of places now, allow professors and whatever with pedigrees to teach in their schools, and they are not uh, ardent followers of Christ at all. Well, you're exactly right. I think we mentioned it even in the last program that, uh, you know, Ivy League universities, as you mentioned, started out as seminaries but became perverted when they started to accept financial subsidies. And uh, right. then, then they became corrupted with this, like you just explained again, with this Marxist theology. They were thrown out of Europe. They came to America and began teaching their theology here. And uh, and, and it goes right back to this article. I mean, uh, 
you know, again, New York Post, students at Ritzy New York City High School forced to attend drag show in church report. Now, it goes on to say later on, it says, I literally, quote, I literally went to church to teach the children today, unquote. The performer wrote in the video caption, quote, a Catholic high school here in New York City invited me to their pride chapel. And uh, here on CBNnews.com, new video shows drag queen performing at New York City church-affiliated high school chapel. But it also, besides mentioning this Episcopalian, says New York Post now reports that the incident took place at Grace Church High School, which celebrates LGBT pride as an independent Episcopal school. But here on the second page of it, It says, another sexualized display in a New York church. Also in June, the Park Church in Elmira, New York, celebrated Pride Month by hosting drag queens at its Sunday worship service called, quote, worship is a drag, unquote, according to Winnie News. The church, according to its website, is affiliated with the United Church of Christ, The denomination has been very supportive of the LGBTQ movement, even adjusting its local to include the pride rainbow on its Twitter account. Says the church's pastor, J. Gary Brin, is described in his bio on the church's website as a, quote, committed and anti-racist and feminist, and as a gay man who has actively promoted LGBTQ plus equality. According to Brin, the June 5 service was held to, quote, celebrate Pentecost, kick off LGBTQ plus Pride Month and come to Christ's table of love, unquote, the standard reports. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Don, are you hearing this? Yeah, I, I am. I, it, it's what happens whenever men, this whole, this, all this, what we're talking about right now is under the, it's under not just. The emergent church is what's coming out of the deconstruction movement. Oh, yes. So the, de- the deconstruction is a deconstructed church, tore it all apart, theological-wise, whatever, through their, you know, criticism and whatever of it. And and then they're building, this is their new emergent church, the, the friendlier version of, you know, uh, what, what George Bush called the uh, compassionate conservatism you know, that we're trying to build here, you know, and whatever. And the reality is, is that water and oil doesn't mix. God, the Bible makes very, very clear that you can't mix salt water and fresh water. You can't, you know, corruption, human humanity is corrupted. And there's no way, it's like if you have a, a peach that gets corrupt, you can't stop that corruption in a piece of fruit. Right. You can slow it down by putting it in the refrigerator. But once corruption starts, the process is to rot completely, to it decomposes into nothing. And so when you have, that's the problem with man. When man does not obey God, God has a way to, his way to deal with the corruption is to create a brand new creation. Amen. Being born again. And so that's the only way you can stop corruption. So we shouldn't be surprised when you see, when men refuse to accept the born again experience and they Refuse to expect to accept the concept that you can that you can change. Like you know, psychology says that man can't change, that you can't change at all. It's impossible. 
And that's where they buy into all this stuff that once you're a, you know, an alcoholic or a homosexual or whatever, you're born that way and you can't change it. What I say all the time is I agree with them quickly when they say you're born that way. And it kind of freaks them out and they don't know what to do because I've learned how to argue with them differently. And they just, they just, they don't have anything else to say because you just took them off their game. And then I say, absolutely. We're all born sinners. Some of us are born thieves. Some of us were born sexual perverts. Some of us were born liars. Some, you know, some of us were born thieves and cheats and whatever. But when you come to the Bible and, and you get born again, it says you got to stop all of that. But you guys are carving out your, your these sins, your sexual sins or whatever, and you're saying the person gets to stay that way because they're born that way. And the and I said that's why you don't like the concept. God's answer is to be born again. I got born again. I was not a decent person at all. And God's changing my life. And so he's working the corruption out of me through the born-again process and the new creation. But the new creation has to find place in me for its reproduction of the fruit of the kingdom of God. And if I don't allow that to happen, the corruption of my flesh will just continue to do what it's doing, and it will suffocate my spiritual life. But see, those people say, oh, once you get born again or, or once you say the sinner's prayer or you accept God or whatever— then, you know, you can't lose that. You're going to heaven. You can't go to hell. And they're just liars. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I know a couple programs. Again, if you haven't been listening to this series on Christian mythology, I go to my website, www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. Click on uh, television radio. When it goes to that page, you'll see radio, listen, push on listen, and you can see my Monday through Saturday programs with the dates on it. Uh, we brought out uh, on the emergent church heresy, you know, uh, who was involved with all of this. We brought out Brian McLaren and the emergent church. McLaren's son married a man. So McLaren espouses a theological liberalism and rejects God as a worthy worship because of, again, Noah's flood, etc., etc. So uh, he says the Bible is an inspired library displaying a slowly evolving human view of God. Like you said, Don, they want to throw out truth and replace it with their mentality, their thinking, their philosophy, what they think God should be. Well, they, it's because they don't even understand that the Bible is God's. God gave us the Bible as a revelation of himself. And, and he reveals that man is broken, corrupt, sinful, and has to be redeemed. And they reject that. They, they, they buy into the psychological concept that man is good and getting better all the time. And then when they tell me that, I just pull out my keychain and I said, yep, they're getting better at stealing all the time. I got to have better <laughs> locks and more keys all the time. <laughs> I just, I've just learned to talk to them differently, man. I just like, let me just show you the nonsense of what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you leave your, I mean, when I grew up, we left our house unlocked. Uh, we didn't, we wouldn't even have thought of have a safe in our house. We left our cars unlocked, whatever. You do that now, you'll you'll you will have nothing. You'll have va- vagrants living in your house, and you won't even be able to get them out because the law won't allow you to. Yeah, I mean, uh, all over the United States. So I mean, it's just. But what I found interesting in this last message I was putting together, uh, you know, is that we we you keep hearing this word that we're that's being called that we're our culture is going through this great transition. You keep hearing that word. That's why I call all these messages trans whatever, because 
these teachings are, are what they're trying to get people to buy into for this transitional change. Anyway, I was looking through, I, I didn't even realize this. I don't even know if you're aware of this or not, but I was looking through the, the generation chart, you know, where you have the silent generations, boomers, Gen X, millennials. Yes. And, but it, I, it, in, in 1980, they started with Gen X. That's the very first one they used a letter for. And then in 1996 or 1981, uh, 65 to 80 was Gen X, 81 to 96 was Gen Y, and 97 to 2012 was Gen Z. And I never really looked at that before, but they went to the end of the alphabet, X, Y, Z. And then 2013 to 2025 is the alpha generation. And I thought, man, this has been in a, this is, this thing has been in the works for a long time. This is not, and, and Christians, like, re, you know, true believing Christians, we're thinking about what's going to happen today or tomorrow. And these people have been playing the long game, what they're going to do in 30 to 50 years from now. That's right. And that that's why our theology is so, like, that's why we don't understand what's going on. And why we, because we're just, we keep playing this short game and the world around us is playing this really, really long game. Amen. And so what, what I, this last week, what I dealt with is, is I called it trans stimulation because this fourth myth, I called it that because it excites that activity and intoxicates the psyche like a drug as it propagates that the ultimate goal of my life is my personal happiness. Now, hold that thought, Don. Hold that thought. Yeah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're out of time today, but we're going to continue with this right where we left off next week. You've been listening to the Warning Radio Program, Apostolic Leader Don Beasley, pastoring Turning Point City Church, Dixon, Illinois. May God richly bless you. Make sure you turn in for a continuation of this message. This is Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome all of you that are joining me right now to the Warning Television program, radio program, social media. Welcome. This is a live audience. We're in the chapel of World Ministries International. I want to talk about aligning head and body. Aligning head and and body. I'm using the Bible as well as Dr. Ronald Cottle's latest book, Aligning Head and Body. Now, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunningness, craftiness of the deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, from whom the body joined knit together by which every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Again, all things into him who is the head, Christ. Christ is the head. Now, all Christian ministry is based on and derives its authority 
You know, that, that word, authority, E-X-O-U-S-I-A, right to power is what it means, that Greek word, right to power, and authenticity, that Greek word is A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A, which means genuineness, true from the inside out, from one source. Its founder and foundation is Jesus Christ. So again, the head, Christ. In other words, the ecclesia is not only God's redeemed people on earth, but we are also the human agency by which Jesus delivers his life and ministry in the world. The ecclesia, the body, we are the body. Today's church does not fully realize or activate this central truth, that we are the body of Christ. If anything's going to be done, it's going to be done through the church. Jesus is not leaving heaven to save America or any other nation to the battle of Armageddon. If you want to save America, you are going to save America. He's the head. He's given you that authority. He says, you go and make disciples of all nations. You're my ambassador. If the church doesn't realize its assignment, we're going into slavery. The ecclesia carries out the work Jesus started consistent with one, who he was, and how he delivered his ministry. That's why we are called the body of Christ. The body of Christ. We're not the head, we're the body. Christ is still the head. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Colossians 2.9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. Ephesians 2, 1-7 And you he made alive, you who the body who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Jesus. So, if the letter to the Colossians is the letter of Christ, the head of the church, then the letter to the Ephesians is the letter of the church, the body of Christ. Paul's teaching on the body of Christ is a theme of Ephesians. For our purposes, in, let's look and focus on the head and body relationship because this is God's number one way to enrich our understanding of two things, the head, Christ, and the body, you and me. The first is, who are we as the ecclesia? 
or the body of Christ? Who are we? And the second is, how are we to function in the world? How are we to do it? Well, the body of the head helps us to see the fivefold anointings embedded in the genetic code of the ecclesia. Every member of Christ's body is a unique and special, usable gift of the fivefold genetic code of the ecclesia. So we are all gifts that God uses. Christ is the head, we are his body. The fivefold gifts of ministry, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, shepherd, or pastor. So we are the ecclesia. Our ministry is to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. To be, if you want to say it in a different way, to paraphrase it, Christ on earth. What he does is he works through you. You are Christ on earth or you are his ambassador. If anything's going to be accomplished on earth, it's the body that's going to do it. Once again, praying is not going to bring him out of heaven to do it. It's not going to. He gave you the responsibility when he ascended. He said, go Terry, be filled with my power, my authority, the baptism, and go represent me. You go represent me. You continue the works that I did on earth. Now, if they're going to continue, it's going to be through you. The ecclesia. You cannot have the second, the body, without the first, or Christ. That is you, the body. We cannot have a body without Christ. We have to have Christ. And so we are servants of Christ. We represent Christ. He dwells within us. This is a union, a oneness of two elements that cannot be separated. Body of Christ delivers Christ. We deliver Christ. Eugene Peterson puts it well when he said, Paul's metaphor of the ecclesia as a member of Christ's body is more than a metaphor. Biblical metaphors have teeth. They keep us grounded in what we see right before us. At the same time, they keep us connected to the operations of the Trinity that we cannot see. In other words, if the church is the body of Christ, then its whole purpose and actions are what? An outflow of the head. Of the head. The body carries out orders from the head. Just like in a family, the mother and father, the Holy Spirit in the family, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they give directions to the body, the ecclesia, mother and father give directions again to the children. So the body carries out orders from the head. A continuance of Christ in the world without the body, the head is useless. Did you catch that? A continuance of Christ in the world without the body, the head is useless. It's not Jesus' time to walk the earth right now. It's your time. You're his ambassador. He's not going to do your job no matter how much you pray out of context. Come do it. Well, he's not doing it for you. And without the body, Christ cannot legally operate in the world. He incorporates the world to himself. The body and the head are to be co-redeemers. We are sons of God. We're to be a co-redeemer. We're supposed to bring salvation to the world. We're supposed to, again, bring the good news. That's the whole point of the gospel. We bring the good news. While the ecclesia, the body, is not Christ, it is stamped with a pattern of Christ. It's impregnated with a seed of Christ. It is these that shape and make the ecclesia through and through. Without these, 
as their core. It is sounding brass in a tinkling cymbal. You can go to many places of, they can call it church, but if they're not really under Christ, really filled with the Holy Spirit, moving with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're sounding brass in a tinkling cymbal. They are not doing the work of Christ. They're telling stories. And stories without testimonies is dead. I want to go somewhere where something's alive. If I'm sick, I can be healed. They believe in healing. They cast out demons. Not just tell nice stories from the Bible. I can read them at home. Jesus is the heart and core of the ecclesia. That is, he is the head and the source. Well, the body is not Jesus. Jesus is not the body. If salvation comes to the earth, it will come from the head by the Spirit through the body, through you and I. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with God. We are flowing with Jesus Christ. He wants you to bring salvation to the nations, to your community, wherever you work. This is God's plan. He has no other. John 1, 14. In the beginning, that word is A-R-C-H-E, source power, was the word. What's the word? Logos. And the word was with God and the word was God. The word became E-G-E-N-E-T-O, a point in the past genocized, meaning flesh and dwelt together, tabernacled, pitched a tent among us, became one. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I, I just appreciate Dietrich Bonhoeffer so much because of his, his filled with the Holy Spirit, willing to take a stand, willing to die for our Lord. He said, the ecclesia is the form of Christ in the world. John 1.18 says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Unquote. Jesus fleshed out God in the world. Now it's our responsibility to flesh out Jesus in the world. If the world is going to see Jesus, it's through you. I'll say what Gandhi said in India. Not to discourage, but hopefully to encourage all of us and to realize people are watching. Gandhi said, I would be a Christian if it weren't for Christians. In other words, he saw a lot of hypocrisy. He saw a lot of Christians say they're Christians powerless. So what's your gospel mean, Gandhi? Well, Gandhi just didn't see real Christians moving with the Holy Spirit. It's a shame. If he did, he saw very unsanctified Christians that he couldn't tell them apart from the world. People are watching us. Love is what attracts. You'll know them by their love. Is what you're supposed to know Christians by. They're supposed to see Jesus in you. We're supposed to love one another and forgive one another. Be merciful to one another. The staggering fact is that we do not merely represent Jesus. We are made to actually embody Jesus. We are his incarnation in the earth earth. The concrete collective body of people who make up the ecclesia is the real presence of Christ in the world. Christ in the world. Now just think about it. Those that call themselves Christian, if they actually represented Christ in the world, move with the Spirit of God, America wouldn't be in this mess. We want to be close to having the United States topple as a republic. Jesus would be ruling. 
We need a revival, frankly, starting in the church. And that's what 2 Chronicles 7.14 is all about. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. If the church will get its act together, we'll heal America. Hebrews 10.12-13. We carry Christ and make him present at work in the world. Now that's what we're supposed to do. Amen? You go to places I can't go. We all go to places each other don't go. But as we represent Christ, the world is saved. The community is touched. God was actually present in the ark. God was truly present in Mary's womb. And now God is present in the body of Christ, the ecclesia. If Jesus is the incarnation of God, then the ecclesia, individually and corporately, is the incarnation of Jesus. We are not Jesus, but we represent him on earth. There's not going to be any more Jesus the people in the world see than they see in you. And if you don't reflect him, they don't see him. Gandhi didn't see him. It's a shame. This shaker of the world did not see Christ in people who called himself Christian. That breaks my heart. He said he just meant the wrong ones. But it affected him. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the world, the word of reconciliation. I thank God that He reconciles. He has mercy. He has grace. He doesn't separate. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't damn. He doesn't say, "Okay, we're separated." He reconciles. He restores. He forgives. He heals. It's just amazing to me. If God can forgive you, why can't you forgive someone else? And the Bible is so clear on this. And Christians better wake up. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. You think the words are just a phrase that doesn't mean anything? Many people are going to wake up separated from God in eternity because they refuse to forgive. That's a dogmatic statement. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. You can't twist that around. 2 Corinthians 5.19, this is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not condemning their trespasses. Colossians 2.9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Praise God. Colossians 1.27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jew or Gentile, The hope of glory is Christ in you. That's the hope of any religion. Is Christ in you? If Christ isn't in you, there's no hope. I don't care what your religion is. Because Romans chapter 1 tells us where religions came from. When you did not want to accept the truth of Jesus Christ, you were covered with a spirit of delusion, deceivableness, so you can make your own religions, you can do your own sins, you can practice lies. But without Christ in us, there is no hope of glory. Augustine, the African bishop of Hippo, said, The Christian is, quote, a mind through which Christ thinks, a heart through which Christ loves, a voice through which Christ speaks, a hand through which Christ helps. Now, this is true corporately as well as individually. Wow. Isn't that good? The body belongs to the head. The body belongs to the head. Jesus is the body source. If we want to look into the 
scriptural word on that, A-R-C-H-E, that means the beginning, the source. The body is his body and no one else's. It's Christ's body. You are Christ's body. Aren't you happy? Man, that, that's a good spouse. <coughs> he would be the perfect husband. Yeah. Amen? The perfect husband. He said, I want a perfect husband. Look to Christ Jesus. Yes. He's the perfect husband. And as your earthly husband looks to Christ Jesus, he'll become pretty good too. Amen? That's right. That's right. It is stamped with his character. The character is O-U-S-I-A. It is infused with his persona. What's persona? Personality. We're you know, the body's supposed to be filled with the personality of Christ. Amen? We are to complement Christ. You know, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, self-control. And the spiritual gifts. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, working of miracles, signs and wonders, visions and dreams. Faith, deliverance. Without the ecclesia, Christ would not matter. Again, Jesus Christ is not coming back to heal the sick and cast out demons. He does it through you. It would be an ancient memory, a great event in history. You can read about it, but I don't want to read about it. I want to do it. If we can't do it, we need to strive to. So we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We are called to fill up the work he began and endowed us with his spirit to finish when he went to the Father. We, finishes, we finish the work of Christ on earth. That's what, you know, ambassador. I'm finishing the work of Christ. When there's an ambassador in whatever nation around the world, they represent that nation to finish the work of that government, that head of state. Ephesians 4.13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow. The body completes the head. As Frank Viola said, quote, as the head, Jesus expresses his character and nature through his body. As the head, Jesus continues his earthly ministry. As the head, Jesus directs both the church and the world. As the head, Jesus nourishes his body. I mean, that's why we've got to have devotions, personal devotions, family devotions, church attendance. Jesus nourishes you and I that way. As the head, Jesus sources the church's life. Tim Keller says, quote, Jesus Christ has all the powers and function of ministry in himself. It is this ministry, the Jesus ministry, that is distributed in and through his ecclesia, meaning through you and me, his body. Through you and me! That's how people see Jesus, if they're going to see him at all. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the body. Till we all come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitfulness of plotting, but by speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit 
together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So the body of Christ is the human agent by which Jesus continues to deliver his own life and ministry to the world. He does it through you and me. Colossians 1.15, Colossians 2.9, Ephesians 1.3, and Ephesians 2.1-7. Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Jesus Christ is the head of what? The body. You say, you know, we, we don't, somebody says, I, I don't like uh, what you're preaching or teaching. Well, I don't have a choice. The head tells me what to do. He has the laws of morality, Judeo-Christian values. Take it up with God himself. I'm just reading what sin is. Homosexuality is sin. I don't make the rules. I'm not God, but the head has made the rules. Christ has called it. Are we preaching from the head? Are we preaching from ourself? For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That was Colossians 2.9, Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. <coughs> and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Once you walked the ways of the world, according to the prince of the air, but the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once were, followed the lust of the flesh. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, even when we were dead in these trespasses and sins, made us alive in Christ and raised us together to sit with him in heavenly places. While the ecclesia is not Christ, it is the deliverer of Christ to the human race. You know, Christ, Christ chin. Christian. In the Ecclesia, the word continues to become flesh. And as Bonhoeffer said, the Ecclesia is a form of Christ in the world. While your own body is not you, it's the deliverer of you to the world. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. The body belongs to Christ. It is rebirthed and maintained in Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Shannon? Praise the Lord. Powerful teaching tonight. You know, Dr. Hanson, I like uh, one of the statements earlier in the program tonight. Um, yes, uh, you were born that way. We've all been born into sin. That's why we need to get born again. Amen. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. That's a, that's um, a good Dr. way Hanson, to uh, answer their questions. Absolutely. Get them to think. That'll disarm them real quick. <laughs> Folks, uh, are you enjoying these broadcasts? I sure am. And Dr. Hansen, for the month of September, do you want to activate your new schedule? Yes. We're going to be on twice a week. Is that correct? Friday and Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific. Is that correct? Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Folks, uh, double the warning message coming in September. Dr. Hansen, how can a person be a partner with World Ministries? You can go to my website, www.worldministries.org, www.worldministries.org. You can sign up for our free bi-monthly news articles, pastoral articles, that will equip and train, educate. It's solid, solid teaching. We'll put you on our mailing list. 
You can donate there. You can also donate by telephone 360-629-5248. 360-629-5248. Operators would take your call and you could donate by credit card. Write a check to WMI. Send it to P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Once again, address the check to WMI. P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Uh, we certainly need your prayers. We certainly need your support. This has been a very hard year because of, I think, what Biden is doing, trying to destroy America. But we cannot, as a ministry, cut back. We need to attack even further. We need to be going further. So we need your prayers. We need your financial help or we cannot go further. Now, we're trying to bring revival throughout America and around the world. We need another great awakening. Only the church, as I just taught, can stop the insanity of what you're watching, what you're hearing, like drag queens in churches. I mean, it just makes me sick. You could sign up for Eagles Saving Nations. Go to my website, www.worldministries.org. That's www.worldministries.org. We're trying to get into the stadiums, NFL stadiums, NBA stadiums, civic centers, all through America and around the world. And we're focused on, once again, what Jesus said, go tarry. Don't try to do my, my work on earth until you're filled with my power. We're getting right back to Pentecost, right back to what Jesus commanded. So we're just not sounding brass in a tinkling cymbal where we, we just talk out of our vanity, but we're afraid to speak the truth, lest we're criticized or even attacked. We've got to get back to signs and wonders. All of this takes money to get into the stadiums. Uh, you can subscribe. You could be a golden eagle. What is that? $50 a year. If you can't pay $50 a year, somewhere along the line, you need revival because you pay for that at McDonald's or go out for a pizza or anything. $50 a year. We're going to lose America if we don't have another great awakening. You could be a bald eagle. $22 a month. That's nothing. Uh, $220 a month for a white eagle. But subscribe. Do something. Help us get into the stadiums. Help us push another great awakening. Again, help us to continue spreading the gospel on radio and television and everything we're trying to do throughout America. So uh, be a monthly supporter. Also, subscribe to Eagle Saving Nations. You go on my website and you're going to love what you see, what you read every day. Monday through Saturday, you could listen to a radio program. You could watch me on television once again every day. We're on many medias, many platforms. Go to www.worldministries.org and you'll see the different channels we're on, including now Omega Man Radio, twice a week, starting September. Shannon? It'll be an honor. Love you all there at World Ministries, and we'll see you next week. God, God bless, bless you, Shannon. Doctor. Have a great weekend. Thank you.